welcome to another episode of Scatter Chatter. Um, my, I'm Just Ray. Uh, today we have a business episode. We're going to be talking about real estate with uh, real estate agent uh, Ryan Williams. Ryan, what's up, Hello, man? Everyone. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's everybody else doing? Everybody's good. Everyone's good. Everybody's good. Um, Some crazy, crazy times we're living in, but I guess we all do the best that we can right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Ryan is on. He's going to give us some insights on, like, real estate and just going to talk about different scenarios. Everyone's talking about they want to get into the game, they want to buy, they want to sell, but not everybody knows, like, what it takes. They don't count the cost on how it works. So without further right. ado, uh, we'll, we'll just go ahead and get into it. So, Ryan, tell me about yourself. What made you get into it? Sure. So um, basically, I'm, I'm born and raised here in Los Angeles. So I'm native to the LA area. I uh, lived here my whole life. Um, been in and out of different uh, business ventures since I was younger, since I, I left school. Um, worked for my father initially in the import export business. So we were, you know, working with uh, international air freight, stuff like that. And after a few years of doing that, I realized that real estate was my, my thing. And so, you know, over time I, I got my real estate license. Actually, I've been a licensed real estate agent in the state of California since 2014. Um, and I've been doing that ever since and, and just really, you know, putting a lot of time and effort into it. Um, trying to help as many people as I can, trying to grow my business and taking it one day at a time. So just really excited about it. Okay. So, let me ask you, what what did it take for you to, like, get into it? Like, like let's get into the nitty-gritty. Like, did you take classes? Did you do an online class? Like, where did you go? Like, how did it happen for you? Good question. So a lot of people actually come to me and they, they say, Ryan, I want to get into real estate. How do I do this? Where do I start? Well, the short answer is you, you obviously have to uh, take classes. So it depends on where you're located. So in the state of California, what you have to do is you have to take a certain amount of classes, certain amount of courses. Um, and then essentially once you take those courses, um, then you take the state of California, uh, the real estate exam. Uh, once you pass the California real estate exam, uh, then that's where the hard work starts. That's where you have to really get into it. Um, and what you have to do is kind of look for the right company, the right real estate brokerage to kind of get your foot in the door and get the ball rolling. Um, so once you find the right real estate company, um, you know, then, you know, you, you plant your roots there and, and really that's where all the fun begins. So, uh, long story short, you got to really take the classes and educate yourself and learn about the business from the ground up. And so that's where most of that, a lot of people want to get into real estate and they feel like it's easy money, um, which is definitely not the case. <laughs> uh, the biggest misconception about real estate is I can just go in there, start working today and start making a lot of money. That's, that's not how it works. Um, some people definitely get lucky in the beginning, but it's it's definitely a hustle, especially when you know it's a real um, in real estate it's it's a commission only type game. So we're not getting paid hourly, we're not getting paid wages, we're not getting salary, we're not getting any of that stuff uh, in the state of California. Um, you you work for a real estate brokerage, and so you get paid through commission. So that's basically how it works. Okay, so can we dig into that for a little bit? The little statement you were talking about uh, deciding which realtor to work for. So you're with Douglas Element, correct? That's right. So I'm with Douglas Elliman Real Estate. Um, we're based in originally from New York City. Um, they have a huge okay. presence there in New York, but uh, my office is located in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills. And so Douglas okay, Elliman so has several why, different branches throughout the country. So why did you decide to 
correct me if I'm wrong, why did you decide to go with them besides uh, what, what are the other two, like Marcus Millchap or uh, I think there's Remax and then there's like some, there's another one too. I forget what the other one is. Keller Williams? Big one that you see. You Keller Williams. Yeah, Keller Williams. You see them all over the place. Like, ironically. Exactly. Because you're Ryan Williams. Why didn't you do Keller Williams? Right. I know I should. I could, you know, be a business partner, you know, one of the partners in Keller Williams. No, but yeah. um, no, Keller Williams is a great company. It's it's one of the biggest national brands. Uh, so is Remax. Those are both huge, huge brands. So most of you out uh-huh. there have probably heard of, of one of those two or maybe both of them. Um, and they're they're almost in every state throughout the United States. Actually, I think Remax is um, – they have some overseas offices as well, maybe the same with Keller Williams. Wow. Uh, wow. But the reason I joined Douglas Elliman is because they have such a huge presence uh, in some of the bigger markets in, in the United States. So, as I said earlier, in, in New York City, they're one of the biggest players there in New York in terms of uh, residential real estate. Also in Los Angeles and Beverly Hills, Douglas Elliman is one of the premier companies. We have a huge uh, base here, huge offices, huge team. Our marketing is on point. It's just we deliver a lot of value for our clients, and, and that's one of the, re- the main reasons why I joined Douglas Elliman Real Estate. Okay. So, and all right, so now you have, after you got your license and everything, like how, like how long have you been in the game, like, or in the business? Well, I got my license in, in 2014, April of 2014. So I, I've essentially been in the business since then. So it's been uh, um, about six years or so. Um, but I've been doing that ever since. Okay, so uh, I think somebody, I think it was you that I had a conversation with. So are you a broker or a seller? And then what's the difference between the two? Good, very, very good question. So a lot of people, a lot of people hear the word broker. Um, that's probably a very loose term. You know, generally in real mm-hmm. estate, they say, oh, are you a broker, are you a buyer, are you a seller? At the end of the day, um, in the state of California, the, the real difference between a broker and an agent or a salesperson is that the broker technically is like a supervisor. It's like a manager of an office of agents. So a lot of people, okay. they confuse the two. So a lot of people would say, just use the term broker uh, for like an agent or a salesperson when in reality – there's very few brokers. So the brokers, there's only one broker per real estate office, and their job is to oversee the agent. Um, but a lot of people use both terms, and so you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, my broker you know, is going to have me do this. My broker is going to list my house. My broker this or that. Um, at the end of the day, it's just a misconception, but you can essentially use the same word. It doesn't really matter. Okay. So um... – so with you being in the business right now, like what is it like what does it take like zeros and ones? Like what does it take? Is it a hustle every day and what are you what are you doing? Like are you using social media? Definitely. Do you have to like pound the pavement? What do you what do you really have to do to like to get the sales and to get the good deals? Well, it's definitely a hustle. Um, you know, like I said earlier, it's we get paid off commission only. So it's it's really about um you know, growing a business yourself. Like I'm in business for myself, although I work for with Douglas Elliman Real Estate. I am my own mm-hmm. brand. I am, you know, Ryan Williams Real Estate. Actually, I have a business partner. His name's Jaime Ruiz, uh, who essentially mentored me and has been there for me since day one. So I work with Jaime, and and our team is um, the Ruiz the Ruiz Williams Fine Estates team, and we work with Douglas Elliman Real Estate. Um, but at the end okay. of the day, it's it's a it's a company. It's like my own business. So it's okay. it's really a 
a full-time hustle. I, you know, I have to go out there and, you know, meet people. This is a great way for me to, to meet new people and to talk to people. Um, typically what I would do is, is there's a lot of like, you know, hitting the pavement, a lot of door knocking. Um, so a lot of agents will go out and, you know, knock on doors and introduce themselves to the neighbors and the neighborhood, kind of get a feel for the area, get a feel for the people. Um, and it's really just planting seeds early on. That's, that's the biggest thing is it's, it's a long-term game. Um, so mm-hmm. as I said earlier, you can't really just get your license and right out the gate, just start getting business. It doesn't really work like that. You have to kind of, you know, start planting seeds early and you have to, you know, grow those seeds and keep watering them. And sometimes it can take several years. So it's, it's more of a long-term play. Um, mm-hmm. but before COVID, obviously now it's a different situation. So there's a lot of limitations for what we can and can't do now. Prior to COVID, I would, you know, knock on doors and, and meet people that way. Um, also, um, cold calling is one of the oldest, uh, one of the oldest <laughs> things you could do. Um, it's what people do in all sales is just get on the phone and get a batch of phone numbers and start dialing people, you know, in the area or whatever to see if there's anything you can do for them. Um, you know, social media is a huge, huge game today. It's, it's where, you know, we get most of our business through social media. So on Instagram, on Facebook, um, LinkedIn, just as many different, you know, online profiles, you just try to, you know, keep your presence there and, and build that presence. And um, we do a lot of like social media marketing on Facebook and Instagram and sponsored posts and things like that. Um, but actually today with COVID <laughs> kind of makes my job a little bit harder. So I can't knock on doors. I can't pass out flyers. I can't do open houses. Um, the only thing I can really do is make phone calls or do podcasts like this or social media, really. So that's kind of my, my primary focus right now. Oh, wait, Just, so you, uh, can't, like, social like media. Face, you can't have a happy face realtor mask and go knock on people's doors? That's not No. <laughs> Actually, that's illegal now in the state of California. I don't know about other states or other countries, but definitely in the state of California, they're really, um, really strict about that. And so, for example, if I, you know, go out and door knock um, or, you know, let's say I hold an open house on a Sunday, which is traditionally how a lot of agents get their business is holding open houses. And then they have people come in the houses. They can meet them that way. Um, But if I were to do an open house today, I could, I could get punished severely. I could get some severe fines um, that could take my real estate license, things like that. So it's not even really an option today, unfortunately. Wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's, that's some insight right there. So, but, yeah, and so okay. that's another thing about real estate. Yeah. So wait, you're in uh, real estate. You talk about knocking on doors in L.A. Come on, man. Like, exactly. Exactly. Knocking on doors in L.A.? Like, really? People are like, okay, well, who the heck are yeah. you? Like, <laughs> yep, yep. And that's another thing with today, you know, in today's for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean I've knocked on thousands of doors since uh thousands of doors since I started in real estate and that was how I really got into the business. But I think that was the best way because my thinking then was, you know, if I can go out, it's free. So if I can go out and bring some flyers with me or some notebooks or whatever, something with my brand on it, something with my name, that if I go out and literally knock on doors and introduce myself to people that way that it would be a great way for me to kind of break the ice and get into the business and start to meet people for, for low cost. So that's really what mm-hmm. I did is my, my business partner and I would just go out and we chose a, an area, a farm is what we call it. And we basically farmed mm-hmm. it and um, went out and just knocked on thousands of doors. And as you can imagine, I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast, um, you know, if somebody knocked on their door, they wouldn't be too happy about it. 
So we, we we're right. met with a lot of resistance, a lot of angry people, um, a lot of games with people for sure. Um, definitely a lot of discomfort. You know, when people open the door, they're like, who's that? Who's that? What are you doing? What do you want? What do you need? Exactly. Yeah. You know, so we met with a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. It was so, it took a little while for me to get used to it. It was a little uncomfortable for me and I'm sure it is for most people too, like first getting into the business. Um, but it's just one of those things you just kind of have to do it and, you know, you learn as you go. Um, but for me, it was essential, something that really broke the ice for me and got me comfortable. And I was able to meet people in, in the neighborhood that I do business in. And for me, that was extremely invaluable. Like that was one of the best things that I could have done for myself. So, okay. I got to ask you, so when you're knocking on these people's doors, like how do you diffuse like people from, you know, pumping the shotgun and like, who are you buddy? (laughs) (laughs) So honestly, like there's a lot of trial and error too. So like, you know, when I first started, I didn't really know exactly what to say or how to say it. So I, we kind of have these scripts that we use and it it didn't take me very long to figure out that some of these scripts aren't the best way. You know, some of them are outdated. Some of them are from like 10, 20 years ago. And just people don't really just open their doors anymore for anybody. So we kind of had to figure out ways to get people to be comfortable with us. And so I done uh-huh. some door knocking over the years with two different um, people, and we just tried a bunch of different strategies. Like for example, um, you know, a couple times we would go and just knock on the door, and when they'd open, we'd, we'd try to be funny. You know, I think at the end of the day, if you're funny about it and you're different, and you don't come off as like a salesy person, then that's how you get, um, you know, people to listen to you and people to talk to you. So if I go up to somebody's door and say, "Hey, you know, I'm a real estate agent. Do you want to sell your house?" They're going to be like get out of here. You know, they're going to slam the door on me. They're going to get angry. Um, but if you, right. you know, you knock on the door, they come up and you say, Hey, you know, my name's Ryan. I'm a neighbor of yours. I live down the street. I've sold a bunch of properties in the area. I'm a real estate guy, you know, and you try to laugh about it. You try to make jokes and stuff and break the ice with comedy. I think that's, that was the most um, successful way of doing it for us. So we just try to have fun with people, you know, and try to just, just have a good time and be yourself and, you know, at the end of the day, some people just aren't going to want to talk to you. They're not going to want to listen. So you just, you have to understand that that's the way it works. Um, you just have to move on. You know, when I was doing door knocking, it's really, you know, like in, as in any sales position, it's, it's really a numbers game. So the way I looked at it myself is if I knock on a thousand doors, you know, over a certain amount of time, I'll get something from that, you know? And so what I would do to keep myself going is like, I'd say, okay, I have to knock on X amount of doors, you know, this week. And every single person that rejects me or doesn't want to talk to me or says no is like from I'm one step closer, you know, to getting the next deal. So if it takes a thousand deals to get a thousand door knocks to get one deal, then I would say, okay, cool. Here's one, one more that I can check off my list closer to the thousand, closer to that deal. So I just took it like as a positive. I didn't really take it as a negative. Um, that was, that took me a while to get used to. And there's a lot of people that are, that are hostile, you know, and fortunately I haven't had a gun pointed at me <laughs> from this yet, but you oh, just no. never know. Because um, no, people, no, you know, I, some I people are just, so, some people are a little uh, crazy so, out there, so. So positive mental attitude is everything, right? So that, that's the everything. question is, that's everything. so the, the ROI, the return on investment, is it, is it really worth it? Like, okay, so I heard like, you know, I listen to Gary Vee, listen to different, like, other, Grant Cardone, and they talk about real mm-hmm. estate. And they say, like, 18 months, you should you should, you should make some money. But is it really worth it, like, after the 18 months, like, the, the payoff? Well, for everybody, 
everybody is a different situation. You know, there's no like one size fits all for real estate. It's really, you kind of got to try a bunch of different things and see which one, which ones work for you and which don't. And then you got to eliminate the ones that don't. Um, and then you got to ramp right. up the ones that do. Um, so it's really okay. just a lot of trial and error, but. So is, so is it easy to get mentorship and help in the biz? Because some people, they like to keep their secrets to themselves. They're like, oh, I'm not going to show you my secret yeah. sauce. You know, actually, you would think that most people wouldn't want to tell you, wouldn't want to help you or give away the secrets. But I feel like in real estate, like I've been really fortunate since I started several years ago that I've had a lot of people actually approach me since I got my license. And, you know, I try to go to the office as much as possible. And I feel like that's very productive. Um, but sometimes you'll have people in the office, whether it be, you know, new agents or people that are seasoned that have been in the business for a while. But you just start talking to other people and sharing stories and, you know, trying to figure out what works for everybody. But I was actually surprised when I when I was relatively new in the business how many people wanted to work with me and how many people wanted to assist me and mentor me. Um, so I was very fortunate in that, you know, I had I had a couple of people in 2014 um, offering to work with me and offering to mentor me. And so I didn't have to pay for that per se. Um, it's really just kind of working with them and, and putting in the same amount of work or more work than they did. Um, but trying to do business with other people is the best way to succeed. See, a lot of people are okay. greedy and they don't want to work with others. They don't want to share with others, but that's really how you get business done is to work with other people. So okay. that's, that's what I would recommend for anybody that's trying to get into real estate is to find somebody that you trust, somebody that you know, um, and just talk to different people, you know, and you'll, you'll get vibes from people and you'll, you'll, you'll see some people that you don't want to work with. But if you show the initiative and, you know, you introduce yourself to a lot of people and you show them that you want to work hard, there's a lot of opportunity for you to get in. And, you know, even if you're working for somebody as an assistant, that's what I did at the beginning is somebody offered me a, a, an assistant job. And I said, should I be an assistant for somebody and make a small salary or should I do real estate sales full time on my own? and possibly make more money. Well, in retrospect, I'm super glad that I did work with somebody else as a, um, as an assistant, because then I, I was able to learn the business from the ground up by watching somebody that was successful. Although I was making a small salary, the knowledge that I got from them and watching them and how they do their business day in and day out is the most valuable thing for me. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um, kind of a sidebar, the aesthetic of, of a real estate agent. Are the suits mm-hmm. in this day and time? Are the are the suits necessary to to sell and close deals? I mean, because most business people they do that. Like, what are how, the yeah. look of, of the agent? <laughs> like, you know, like, most do people. Do I need to like go to like Beverly Hills and get a good suit? Like, what do I got to do? What, what what's happening? Well, let me tell you this: having a good suit doesn't hurt. Um, but you know, today it's it's especially in Los Angeles. It might be different in other markets across the country or across the world. Maybe in other countries, they might be a little bit more professional and maybe a suit and tie would be like a standard thing. Um, but actually mm-hmm. in Los Angeles, it's, it's fairly casual. And depending on the area of Los Angeles, the areas get more casual <laughs> as you can imagine. Right. Um, so if you're by the beach, let's say you're selling real estate by the beach, you know, in the South Bay, like Manhattan beach or most beach, Redondo, Santa Monica, Venice, you're probably not going to see people wearing suits all that often. You might, see something a little bit more casual, like a dress shirt and some slacks. Um, or you might see people wearing jeans and dress shoes and a T-shirt. Um, and so, you know, I, I think if you're comfortable and you look decent at the end of the day, that's just one small part of it. It's really how you carry yourself and how you treat other people is what really makes a difference. So the suit and tie doesn't hurt. 
I like wearing it every once in a while, but it's not something that you have to wear every single day in order to succeed. Okay. So just making sure your image is like, you know, you look like you conduct business, but you can be casual. Definitely. You know, and if I'm going to go meet a client for the first time, I'm probably going to dress up a little bit. I'm not going to be as casual. And then, you know, if you, once you get to know them a little bit and they're comfortable with you and vice versa, then, you know, if I go to another showing with them, then I might, you know, dress a little bit more casual. Just really depends. You know, if it's 110 degrees outside, then you're probably not going to wear a suit and tie anyway. So no, it really kind of varies. (laughs) It's just like right now in Los Angeles, too hot. You know, it's really, really hot right now. So it's, it's hard to wear a suit and tie. So, with that being said, I don't think many people are right now. Okay. All right, so let me ask you this. Like, since you started, like, what are maybe your top five challenges you had to overcome that you are willing to share with the audience? The first one is fear, definitely. Um, when I started in real estate, I there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of unknown. Um, for me personally, I didn't know anybody in the business. I didn't have any uh, friends or family that I was – Nobody in my family that was in real estate, nobody, no friends of mine that I was really close with that, you know, I wanted to, that I felt comfortable going to to get that. So I, I kind of started off on my own from the ground up and kind of learned as I went. So definitely fear is, is one of the most important things that you have to get over. Because if you can't get over fear, like the fear of rejection, you'll never make it mm-hmm. in business because you're going to get rejected all the time. And that goes with any sales job. You know, you, you just can't have you you have to mitigate the fear because if you let fear overcome you you're going to get trampled on because there's tons of people out here doing it that just don't have that fear or they're able to set it aside so that's so that's the that's one of the most important we call things. that false evidence appearing real false evidence exactly. appearing real <laughs> definitely and you, and you have to look past that okay definitely. and then what um, but you, also like what is, for example like another thing would be you know, when you start off in real estate, you know, we're, we're talking about selling assets that are multi-million dollar assets. We're not, we're not talking about selling a car or a computer or a necktie. We're talking about, you know, residential properties. We're talking about something that you're going to have for many, many years to come, something that you're going to live in. So there's a lot of, you know, thinking that I'm new in the business. You know, when I was first in it, I had never bought or sold real estate. I've never helped anybody yet. There are so many people out there that are experienced. And so, there's, there comes a point where you kind of have to fake it till you make it. And this goes with like any sales job. You kind of just have to um, put off the idea that you are successful and make it seem like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> now I can say today mm-hmm. for sure that I've, I've learned so much, you know, I'm a completely different person, completely different agent today than I was back in 2014. But, you know, at the beginning, you, you have to be able to put yourself in a position where, you have to have confidence in yourself so that other people see that confidence and then they, they trust mm-hmm. you and then they, they want to use you to do business because we're, you know, it's, it's coming into it with no knowledge and no experience at the beginning is very scary when, you know, we're talking about selling multi-million dollar assets. You know, you, you think to yourself, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to cause an error. I don't want them to, to think that I don't know what I'm doing. So you really have to overcome that. And, you know, just kind of be confident. That's the most important thing is just confidence is everything. Mm-hmm. And, and people will pick up on it. So that's that's kind of how I started um, and just learned it and started from the beginning. And, and here I am today after several years and several, several transactions later. So what would you, would you say in that? Do you reinforce your experience with more reading and more, you know, just picking up little tidbits from, like, Internet and just books on real estate and 
Definitely. Did that help you? Definitely. It's absolutely. And that's another thing is like the, the education with real estate, it doesn't just stop. Like, you know, when, when most people get their license, you, for me, for example, I, I did the textbook version. So you, there's like different, uh, different ways of getting the real estate license and taking the classes. Um, so what mm-hmm. I did was I ordered the textbooks and I, I essentially read them at home by myself. So it was self-taught. Um, so that's okay. the way I did it. Um, some people like to go in the classroom and some people like to do a hybrid of that. Um, but mm-hmm. education does not stop there. Education starts on day one and it goes with you for the rest of your career, the rest of your life. I mean, it goes with anything else. You always have to be paying attention to everything. You have to be, you know, on top of all the changes. And that's another thing. There's so many changes in the real estate market and the laws and regulations that it's our duty. It's my duty as a real estate agent you know, on behalf of my clients to have this knowledge um, and, and, you know, to stay on top of everything so I don't miss anything. So the education is the biggest factor, and it's something that, you know, I'm always learning. Like today, for example, before I got on the call, I was, um, you know, reading uh, about different things that are happening in the market, looking at interest rates, um, seeing, you know, looking at different things that could change in the future, uh, different regulations, and it's just you have to stay on top of all that stuff. That's how you deliver so, the best the best service to your clients. So for you as an agent, is there like a like a one stop shop that gives you all the updates for everything that's in real estate or do you have to go to multiple sources? And if so, what is that? Sure. So for me, there's definitely multiple sources. Um I think it might be different for everybody. There's a lot of different ways to get information. Um but I think mm-hmm. staying on top of other financial markets and, and you know, looking at finance as a whole, especially as it pertains mm-hmm. to real estate, is really important for real estate agents because we're not just looking at, like, real estate per se, like houses and stuff. We're also watching, you know, financial markets. We're looking at uh, interest rates are another very important factor. Um, you know, you want to keep an eye on the stock market. You want to keep an eye on all aspects of the market and finance um, so that you can really mm-hmm. dial into the real estate side of it. So for me, um, you know, I'm always looking at local papers, you know, LA Times, um, real estate. Um, there's actually a, a page called The Real Deal. Um, I believe they have a Facebook okay. page, but I follow them on like Instagram, for example. Um, I think they also have a publication as well that you can find online. Um, but The Real Deal shows a lot of like what's happening, like for example, in Los Angeles real estate. It'll, it'll talk about some of the big transactions. It'll talk about some of the laws and some of the things that are changing. Uh, it's kind of like the breaking news for local real estate. And it's kind of cool mm-hmm. because the real deal, they they do different markets too. So they don't do just Los Angeles. I think they have one in New York. They have one for like Miami, probably Chicago. So what you can do is you can tap into the real deal and see kind of what's happening in the moment, like kind of breaking news, big stuff that's happening in real estate and kind of follow it that way. Um, but that's just mm-hmm. like one aspect of it. There's so many different sources. I'm always looking at everything, trying to monitor the whole the whole market from a whole. So I'm looking at, you know, dozens of different sources for news. Okay. Um, so you have a lot there's obviously there's a lot of competition in real estate. So how do you deal Definitely. with that and how do you what what challenges have? Because I think you mentioned something about somebody wanting to take your photos, but <laughs> what we can talk about that after you tell me. Uh, yeah. How do you deal with yeah, the competition, so. or do you want to go straight into that? Sure. So as far as the competition, there's real estate in California is extremely extremely competitive. I don't know the exact number on the amount of uh, licensed real estate agents here, but I would definitely I think it's over a million. 
Um, so there's yeah. a lot of real estate agents. There's a lot of people that get the license and, you know, or see other people that are succeeding in it. So then they get their license and they think that they're going to make a million dollars in a year, which is not the case most of the time. So you have a lot mm-hmm. of like newbie agents that just want to take on the world. But I think there's a statistic that like 95% of real estate agents fail within the first year. So there's a lot of new people always coming on board that are just trying to, trying to take you out left and right and stuff. So you kind of have to filter that out. Um, and just understand mm-hmm. this is a long game. Um, but if you think about it, you know, if there's a, let's say there's a million licensed real estate agents in the state of California, how many people are in the state of California? <laughs> there's a lot of people. You know, how many people in the, the city of Los Angeles, you know, over 4 million people. So if you really get down to the numbers of it, there's plenty of business for all of us. It's not like, it's not like I'm going to get washed out. You know, if you do a good job, if you keep hustling, if you keep pushing, you keep learning and you keep growing, there's room for everybody in this business. And that's what a lot of people don't really understand. It takes, it takes some time to figure that out. So for me, what I, I, I try to embrace it. I, I understand that the competition's there, but believe it or not, a lot of my competition are friends of mine are people that I know or people that I've done business with before. As a matter of fact, some of my competitors are people working in my office. That's crazy. Wow. That. So I'm literally sitting shoulder to shoulder with my competition and so I have to understand that and I have to embrace it and I make the best of it. And, and in real estate and, you know, it goes with any sales career. Don't want to burn bridges. That's the most important thing. So if you have a, you know, if you have a problem with somebody or if you have a deal that's gone bad, it's in everybody's best interest to try to fix the problem, try to find a solution, try to leave that transaction on a good note and try to not burn bridges with people because you never know, like, you know, let's say I have a buyer today or, you know, a buyer next week for a property and, and I worked with the agent before and it wasn't a good transaction, wasn't a good experience previously, that could hurt, you know, my business. You know, it could hurt the transaction that I'm, that I'm working on now if, if that agent is the seller's agent. So you just try to have to, you know, be on good terms with everybody. And, and for me, I just try to be as friendly as possible and I just try to be as nice as possible as professional um, that's really the best way to, to approach it. Okay. Um, hmm, interesting. Uh, when, when, in regards of uh, people working next to you, it's like a friendly game of tennis. I guess you kind of put it yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you shake hands, you're just like, yeah. all right, good show, my man. Um, exactly, exactly. In your, in your office, wait a minute. You're with Douglas Elliman. Have you run into the, right. the Alt Douglas Elliman? Are you have you worked with Josh Altman, the Altman brothers at all? I have. Yes, I have. Actually, I know um, Josh really well, his brother Matt. Um, yeah, I'm actually in my office now, and I'm looking down the hall, and I can see the Altman brothers' office. Actually, they just opened a new office on. If you're familiar with Los Angeles, they're on Robertson. Um, uh huh. And so they just opened a huge um, flagship office for their team over there. So they actually work out of that office primarily now, but they're, they're in and out of my office here in Beverly Hills. And, um, Josh is a great, they're great people. Um, excellent, excellent real estate agents. Uh, they're just really crushing it right now. Actually, Josh just opened another office, um, in Newport beach. So he's got a lot oh, wow. of business going on here in LA and then also in orange County as well. So he's just, he's all over the place, just crushing it. And if anybody else, if anybody out there knows Josh Altman is, um, one of the biggest guys on Million Dollar Listing LA. So he's one of the prominent real estate agents on that show. So if you t- tune into Million Dollar Listing, you'll see Josh on there. He's 
he's one of the best in the business. He's a really cool guy, and he's great to work with. He really brings a lot to the table. So what does that mean to open up a new office? I mean, because you're in L.A. Why do you need an office in Newport Beach? I don't, like, for the audience, like, what does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Like, is it just to check well, the locale or just people can visit? Because people don't like to travel in L.A. Is that what it is? or? That's that's prob- that's really what it is, yeah. And and also, like, when you're when you're as big as, let's say, the Altmans, you know, it's it's good to have – you want to be as local as possible. You don't want to get away from that. So he was doing most of his business here in the Los Angeles area over the past couple of years, and so he's been doing a lot more – down there now, down in Orange County, and I think he's got a couple of listings, big listings up in uh, northern San Diego County. So with that business coming on for him, it's essential to, you know, have roots in that neighborhood and have a locate a physical location and have an office. And so I think that's one of the major one of the main reasons why he did that down there, so that, you know, he has that physical presence there, so he can bring clients into his office and. And also go down there and work out of that office. I'm sure he has a team that he's assembling right now, right now down there too. So I'm sure some of his teammates are going to be working out of that office down there. Okay. Uh, so I do want to ask you what are your pieces of advice for people just starting out? But I think it was probably more practical to ask, like, what would you rec- – like, okay, it's COVID time right now, right? So. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask probably two different scenarios. Like, what would you, like, how would you suggest people invest or, like, could a normal nine-to-fiver get a piece of property as opposed to living in an apartment? Because you know the L.A. market for apartments is hella expensive and for housing. Yes. Like, what would you suggest, like, somebody do with X amount of dollars or getting the money to get into an actual home? Like, even if it isn't, like, a million-dollar property. Like, what would your... Very good question. So basically anybody can buy real estate essentially, you know, as long as you have the means of doing that. A lot of people are put off by the thought of um, getting into real estate. A lot of people are scared by it. It's just a, really a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding um, because at the so end of the day, the, you know, we're talking about something that you can basic? live in, something that. So what's the basic checklist? I'm sorry. I mean to cut you off. What's the checklist? Like you're oh, saying okay. like, Somebody can get in, like, what's the check like? Like, do I need, like, a, a pack of bubble gum and some sneakers? Like, what? Like, give me. <laughs> you like, definitely should have some sneakers, in? but. Yeah. <laughs> well, it really comes down to what you're looking for. So there's a bunch of different kinds of real estate. Um, I would really just advise somebody to start small. You know, you, you can't really okay. start big unless you have a lot of money. Um, so what okay. a lot of people are doing these days is um, they're getting financing. They're getting mortgages to buy real estate. Um, so what I'd recommend doing if you're just getting into it, if you're on the fence, if you're thinking about it, you know, um, interest rates today are as low as they've been since maybe prior to 1970. So we're talking 50-year lows on interest rates. Um, and here okay. in Los Angeles, the you know, if you were looking to buy a property today, a 30-year fixed mortgage would probably be around 2.99, let's say 3% uh, interest rate, okay. um, which is extremely okay. low if you look at the history of it because it's really kind of gone down over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So right now is a great time to buy as far because of the interest rate. Um, because mm-hmm. if your interest rate's higher, you're going to probably have to pay more in monthly payments. That's really what it boils down to. So if you want to okay. keep the monthly payments lower, you really want to lock in that solid uh, interest rate. And so for a first-time okay. buyer, a lot of times it makes sense to get a 30-year fixed mortgage. There's different types of mortgages, but just to keep it simple, 30-year fix is probably one of the most popular. It's one of the most simple. Um, so what you do is you lock in a 30-year fix. Let's say you're going to buy your first home now. 
you're going to put a down payment. So mm-hmm. if you're going to live in it, you could get away with putting down less. Actually, they're three and a half percent down payment loans right now, believe it or not. Um, you could put 5% down in some cases, you know, anywhere between let's say 5% and 20% to be realistic. If you really, mm-hmm. the, the best situation would be to probably put 20% down. That's where you have your best chances. And also you have mm-hmm. a little bit of um, equity right there. If you put 20% down, the less you put down, the less equity you're mm-hmm. going to have, and it's going to take longer to pay it off and you're going to pay more and stuff like that. So the more mm-hmm. you can put down, the better, obviously. Um, so what I would recommend doing is, is trying to find the right property that's going to work for you or your family. And so right now during COVID, a lot of people are finding out that the house they've lived in for the last five or 10 years or their longtime family home just doesn't work for them anymore. So a lot of people mm-hmm. are selling the home or the property that doesn't work for them. They're taking that equity and they're buying something else that does work for them. So we're seeing a lot of transactions right now. Um, mm-hmm. It's, probably busier right now in the, in the local real estate market here in LA than it was prior to COVID, believe it or not, because the interest rates are so low and people are like scrambling to get the right property. Um, Mm -hmm. So the competition for buyers is definitely real right now in Los Angeles. There's a lot of situations where a buyer will come in and there'll be maybe 20, 30 offers on a property. So there's a lot of that going on. A lot of buyers are getting scared of that and they're getting, um, they're losing motivation as time goes on because you know, when you're dealing with 20, 30 different offers, it's just harder to get that deal done. So the less down payment you have, generally the harder it is in these multiple offer situations. So if you're paying cash for a property, that's going to put you in the best position to be able to buy it. Um, But as far as mortgages, most people aren't able to buy real estate without getting a loan. So what I would recommend doing is talking to somebody like me. Um, I'll give you my contact info at the end. Um, But what I can do is... (laughs) That's what I'm here for. Um, I can help you kind of narrow it down to figure out what type of property works best for you and your needs. Obviously, you know, you have to, if you're going to buy real estate, it has to work for you. You know, you're not buying something that's going to spend your life savings on something. It doesn't make sense. So we want to find the right type of property. Um, Once we find that, we start looking at different loan options. We'll put you in touch with a lender um, who can look at your specifics, you know, your financial situation, evaluate you. And you can, we can start to get a sense of, what makes sense for you, how much down payment, um, you know, what type of loan, how long the loan's going to be, stuff like that. And then what we can do, long story short, is find a sense, like we can get an estimated monthly payment for you. So what we can do is talk to a lender, give them your financial situation, tell them how much down payment you're comfortable putting down. And then we can get an estimated monthly payment based on a certain purchase price. So before we even make any moves, we can have all these numbers estimated. So we can look at it and say, does this make sense for me right now or does it not make sense? And so really that's the main thing is, is qualifying people and, and finding out if it really does make sense to buy. And right now it, for, for a lot of people, it does make sense with these low interest rates because the interest rates are going to go back up. You know, they can't go much lower than they are now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in the short term, we're probably going to see interest rates. They might tick down a little bit more in the short term, but then long term we're going to see them rise again. And, and, you know, in real estate, if you, you know anything about real estate, over time, the prices rise. You know, if you look at a house today, it's going to be a lot more expensive than it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. So with that being said, we're at an interesting place right now where it's a good time to make it happen if you can make it happen. So it's a great well, time to lock say, in that 30-year fixed loan. So, so let's back up a minute. So 
let's talk about let, let's do a self betting process before we even like come to you or even think about buying property. Um, mm-hmm. Like what? Like do I need to have the down payment or what kind of thing should I be considering? Like as far as like my job, credit score. Good question. Uh, so definitely. So the credit score is a major factor if you're trying to get financing. Um, so the lender's going to look at that. They're going to probably look at some bank statements over the, the past year or two. They're going to verify your employment. Um, so if you're trying to get a mortgage right now, you're probably only going to get one if you're employed, unless you have other assets. So let's just say you're a first-time home buyer. You want to buy your first home. You don't own any other real estate. You have, like, let's say, $100,000 in the bank, and you want to use that as a down payment. Um, they're going to look at your credit score. They're going to look at your credit worthiness to see if, if that's something, if they're going to want to lend you money based off your situation. That's obviously, there's a certain amount of risk in it for the bank. Um, so mm-hmm. they're going to look at your, your credit score and your big financial picture. And they're going to use that to determine um, what type of loan you're going to get and, you know, the other terms of your loan, your interest rate and stuff like that. If you have a really, really high credit score, you're probably going to get a more prime interest rate. If you have a lower okay. credit score and you still qualify, you might qualify still, but your interest rate might be a little bit higher to compensate for that low credit score. So it really depends so, on so your, your so whole financial picture and not just your credit score. So it's worth the risk. Just try it and see. You never know. Yeah, at the end of the day, what do you have to lose when, when you know, for example, if you want to buy your, your home, you know, you jump on a phone call with a lender. It's a 10-minute phone call, and they discuss the basics with you, what you need what you need to get in line in order to buy and stuff like that. So you have an idea moving forward, but let's say that phone call is 10 minutes, you know, and it's free. So there's really nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. So a lot of people are apprehensive about making, taking the first step. A lot of people are scared to talk to a realtor. They're scared to talk to a lender because the fear of rejection, the fear of not it not working out. So I always tell people is what do you have to lose other than 10 minutes? You know, this might change your life. This might change the rest of your life, this might change your family's life. This might change everything for you. So why not give it 10 minutes, have a conversation with somebody, figure out where you stand. And look, if you don't qualify for a house today, that doesn't mean you won't qualify in the future. At least you will have given it a shot today and you'll know what you need to do moving forward to make it happen. So you can get all your ducks in a row for the next time that you want to get it done. So I always tell people to try. You got nothing to lose. Okay, so let's let's back up a minute. Let's let's talk about that. So uh, we're talking about, you know, having things together. Um, like when you're finding a lender, like how do you know? Like, is there a license number so you can find somebody you trust, or do you just ask around with people that are, have already bought homes? Because I'm sure everybody has a friend that's bought a house or has bought some type of, right. type of property. Do you just ask right. that guy, or what if you're just like, you know what, I want to just lone wolf it like how do i find how do i find a lender on my own and because some people just want to lay low build what they want like what do i do as a person that's like that well at the end of the day you you can do this all yourself really you know but you want somebody that's going to be there for you somebody that's by your side somebody that's knowledgeable and somebody that knows what they're doing and so that's where like my value comes into play because Somebody can do a real estate transaction from start to finish by their by themselves in theory, right? But right. how many people do you know have done this all by themselves? Nobody. Even the big players in real estate. Even the big players in real estate, they rely on on brokers and agents to advise them, just like any other profession. Uh-huh. You know, if you're gonna go and and 
make a big move in the stock market or, you know, you're going to do something financially, what are you going to do? You're going to talk to your advisor. And so that's where my job, that's where I come into play. And so that's why you can do the research yourself. And and a lot of people want to start, you know, by themselves online. So you can, you know, go on Google and you can type in your zip code. Um, You can type in uh, mortgage lenders and a million different options will come up. There's tons and tons of mortgage companies today. There's probably more than there's ever been. It's because of the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a ton of them out there. Um, and there's a ton of them that have great reviews and stuff like that. But I always tell my clients, like, why wouldn't you use somebody that I know and trust? Like, for example, I have a, a particular lender that I've used since 2014. I know him personally. Um, I know where his office is. <laughs> I know his kids. I know his family. Um, oh wow! You so forever. I've done so, so much business. Yeah, so I, I've done so much business with him, and and I've had only good stories about him from my clients. My clients love him, and they're doing a lot of refinances. Previous clients of mine with him. So somebody like that, I know for sure, professionally, that they're going to get the job done. They're going to be there for you. They're gonna. They're not going to BS you. They're not going to pull you around. They're not going to tell you something that you want to hear just to get the deal done. They're going to tell you straight up, you know, they're going to tell you with honesty. And so I always recommend certain people that I know and I've worked with in the past because I know that they're not going to do my clients any wrong. On the other hand, if somebody goes out there and finds a lender on Google, you know, with five stars, you know, one of these huge companies that you can, you know, if you're watching TV and you're watching commercials, I'm sure you see like 1-800-CASH-CALL or 1-800, you know, lower your rate or whatever. You see these every day. Um, But at the end of the day, these people aren't really giving you the service that you deserve. You know, the lenders that I work with here locally, their offices are here. They're smaller boutique firms that they specialize in customer service. A lot of these big companies, and you can even get a loan with, you know, Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, some of the big banks and credit unions. But they're such Mm -hmm. big institutions that they're big and boxy. And what they'll do is they'll put you in touch with with somebody, an an office, a loan officer at the, the firm or whatever, you don't know necessarily where their office is. You don't know how many people they're working with. You don't know how long they've been in the business. You don't know what's going to happen once you open escrow. Let's say you find a lender yourself on Google, um, great great reviews and everything, and they help you get pre-qualified. You find a great house. You open escrow. And then while you're in the transaction process, they ghost you. You know, something big oh. happens in the transaction, and you got to get a hold of them, and they're nowhere to be found. You can't get a hold of them. You email them. You call them. You text them. They are not responding. That can blow your deal. That can destroy everything. So it's yeah. really from A to Z. You've got to look at somebody that's going to be there for you, take care of you, and hold your hand from A to Z and get it done. That's what we're here right. to do is to get it done. We're not here to play games. Mm. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow, this is a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, so, and then let's go back as far as, like, the buying property. So, if you currently own, like, how did you, is there a certain technique that you need to leverage the equity in your house to buy another piece of property? Is there another, is there a form, or what do you need to know to, like, do that for leveraging if you've already, if you've already bought something or you own already? Yeah, so... A lot of people, that's what's happening a lot now is, is people are transferring equity. So people that own real estate now or, or let's say they're selling their house that they've owned for a couple of years, they're transferring that equity into something else. Um, so there's a lot of the transfer of equity, not necessarily first-time buyers. Um, and so um, with that being said, it's like 
you want to make sure that you're working with the right people. You know, that's really what it comes down to. So when you're transferring equity, um, you don't need a certain amount of money in the bank per se. Let's say you own a building. Let's say you own an apartment building and you've owned it for five or 10 years and it's generating revenue. So you have a couple uh-huh. tenants in place and you're collecting a certain amount of money in rent every month. You can use uh-huh. those rents collected as income. So let's say you don't okay. have a full-time job, but you own an apartment building and you're collecting rent. That's essentially a business. That can be your job to a certain degree. So what you can do is you can borrow against that, that equity that you have built up in the building over the past five to 10 years, if you owned it for that long. Um, you can, you can borrow against some of that equity and you can take that and you can buy another property with it. And so what lenders generally do is they'll look at your, your loan to value. So they're going to look at how much equity you have. So you just bought the building last week. You haven't had it that long. You don't really have that much equity in it. It's, it's really going to be hard to borrow against that depending on the, right. depending on the circumstances. I'm just giving you generalizations. But if you've had it for a long time and it's, it's appreciated in value over the years, you know you've got some equity in there. There's a good chance you can borrow against some of that equity and you can put that equity into, you know, into something else and have it work for you somewhere else. So you can own one property, borrow against it, and buy another. Okay. Wow. Um, so that's interesting. So you can use the equity to buy another property. Um, oh, I wanted to back up on one question. So we're mm-hmm. looking at lenders. Um, what about when you're refinancing? Is there a way for people to find – because I've had some people that have, like, you know, townhouses and condos that were trying to get refinanced. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, like, they couldn't get a hold of the people to refinance, and their their critical information, like Social Security numbers and credit scores and all this mm-hmm. stuff is out there, and the guys aren't calling them Blood back around. in a timely manner because – yeah, because they're just like, oh, I – so-and-so is on a weekend ski vacation, but you're like, I need to get my stuff done, and my information is just floating out there, and you're not treating it like it's like a baby. You know what I mean? So is there a way that you can bet out those guys, or how would you recommend betting those guys out if I'm like a solo rider or if I got a recommendation? Like, what do you recommend for something like that? Well, in a situation like that, the the bottom line is if they're not working for you, if they're not, if they don't carry your best interest at heart, they're not doing the best job for you, you got to let them go. You got to cut the relationship because we're here to do business. We're here to make transactions happen. We're here to succeed. We're not here to fail. So if somebody, you know, a partner that you're working with, in this case, be a lender, if they're not helping you and they're not responding to you and you have business to take care of, you got to let them go and you got to find somebody else. So that's another reason why it matters who you do business with and it matters who your advisor is. Um, And so, you know, people like me, I know what I'm doing and I know a lot of people in the business and I can help you find the right lender that's not going to just let you go. Um, but today with all these low interest rates and everybody refinancing, it's like this huge refinancing wave right now because the rates are about 3% generally, um, but they're kind of fluctuating up and down a little bit. I know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, they were around 2.75%. Now they're at three um, and it might dip down again. So they're going up and down in the short term. Little right. So there's a lot of people trying to refinance. A lot of people want to lock in that low interest rate. So with this influx of volume, people trying to refinance, a lot of these lenders are getting overwhelmed. A lot of them don't have the capacity, don't have the team members available to successfully take care of your business. So 
you want to you want to find somebody that's been in the business for a long time, somebody that has a great team, somebody that's reputable and honest. Um, that's going to tell you straight up what you need to hear and not what you want to hear necessarily. Um, so that's why okay. it really matters who you work with because um, you can get burned definitely by working with certain people. So is there a way to vet them out? Like say first call, if you're just like, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to call. Like what should I be looking Are there red flags that you should look for like on the first call when you're doing your refinancing with another company? Because there's a refinancing that's way. I, I want to know like what. Yeah. It gets a little tricky because a lot of a lot of people weren't prepared for this, obviously, because this just happened. Right. It just kind of flipped the switch on everybody. So a lot of people were caught unprepared. So only the best are succeeding right now. And that goes with any anybody in the business, whether it be real estate agents, whether it be lenders. The best will succeed. The rest will not. Um, so you want to find somebody that has the capacity, somebody that's, that's going to weather the storm, somebody that's going to get through it, somebody that's doing a lot of business now. Um, the lenders mm-hmm. that I work with, um, I'm in touch with them all the time. I stay in communication with them. I, you know, touch base with them and pick their brain all the time, figure out where the market's going, where rates are going, um, to try to find the best person for my clients to do business with. Um, but it's really hard because you talk to a lot of lenders today and they'll tell you something that you want to hear. They'll tell you everything you want to hear. I've had a lot of cases with this recently where I have buyers come to me and say, hey, Ryan, I want to buy a house. I've been talking to a so-and-so lender and, you know, the process isn't what I expected and they're kind of taking their time and I don't, they're not really getting to the bottom of my situation. I really want to buy now. The rates are low. You know, how do I do this? What should I do? Should I stay with this guy that I, I sent, you know, my social security number to my loan app, my application, you know, my, <laughs> your bank statements, everything, you know, so there's a lot of confidential information that you're putting out there. So you definitely want right. to make sure you, you limit the amount of information you put out there because, if you send somebody this private information, you have to know and you have to trust that they're not going to, you know, misuse your information. I mean, you can't just go out there and blast out all your confident, confidential information to like 10 lenders because who knows who these people are? Who knows how long they've been in the business? Who knows what they're going to do with it? So you really want to hone in on a couple, maybe one or two or three that you feel comfortable talking to. Um, that you feel comfortable giving your information out to. But let's say you want to get a mortgage and you want to, you know, shop around. Because I always advise my clients to shop around to feel find somebody that they feel comfortable with. Um, because right. a lot of times the first person you call is not the person who you're going to work with. So sometimes right. you'll, you know, I'll have a client, I'll introduce them to three lenders and they'll have discussions with a couple of them. And after those conversations with the three, they'll say, you know what, I didn't feel comfortable with two of them. I only really felt comfortable with one of them. So then, okay, mm-hmm. you got to trust your gut, you know? So we vet them further okay. and, you know, we look into it. And then if it makes sense, then we go with them. But like I said, you don't want to just blast your information out there to everybody and see who gets you the best deal because you don't know what, what's going to happen with that at the end of the day. You want to try to keep it keep it precise and try to find the one. you got to find the right one so, for you. So it's, it's more like – it's kind of like the uh, online dating of, of, of finance. You just got to – you got to yeah, find somebody that exactly. kind of like you understand and you guys have the same kind of principles and values and philosophies, mm-hmm. and then that's the person that right. you would go with with your finances. And then you trust them with your vital, confidential information. Then you move forward with them because there's thousands of people out there. So you just got to like, mm-hmm. you know, trust your gut kind of deal. And, you know, like if you feel Definitely. comfortable with that person, then you go further. So you should have like an – so basically what you're saying is just have an initial phone call, see how you feel first, 
And if you feel good mm-hmm. with that person, then you go ahead and dive in and give them your confidential information so right. you can move to the next steps of things. Exactly. And, and a lot of people make the mistake of not consulting with a professional before. They kind of want to do the beginning steps themselves without reaching out to a realtor or without, a, you know, without contacting the right lender right away. And so they'll they'll make the mistake. You know, I see it day in and day out, especially now. You know, people are so eager to get this done. They want to buy their house. They want to refinance. So they just they do the research themselves and they they go with the one and that might not be the right one. And and a lot of times when you are you know when you're doing a transaction like this, it's it's very important who you work with. It means everything. So if you have a bad feeling, if you have a bad gut feeling, I would trust that feeling. You know, if you don't feel comfortable with somebody, there's a reason why. You know, you might not want to use them. Mm. So you really have to focus in on the right people. There's a lot of people wow. out there that will try to try to work with you to try to get your business, but that doesn't mean mm. that they're the right people for you. Right. Mm. Okay. So, all right, as we're – I don't know if we're wrapping up, but uh, two last things I want to, like, get on. So, one, uh, so if you had a mil- – like, I think we were talking before the call, we want to go through a, a case study. Like if I gave you a million dollars today, like what would be mm-hmm. the right move like right now? Like during COVID, like what what would be the right move right now? Sure. Um, so for me personally, I'm not trying to give anybody advice out there because I know everybody's situation is different. But for me, if I, right. you know, if I was given a million dollars, say I won the lottery, what I would do is try to <laughs> buy as many – apartment unit. So many, I would try to build, uh, buy resident, uh, commercial real estate, or whether it be residential, maybe one to four units. I think that's a great place mm-hmm. to start now. I actually have several buyers that I'm working with today that they're looking to buy their first property, but it's a really smart move to buy multiple units because let's say you buy a single family house and you have an, a mortgage payment, let's say it's 3000 a month. Okay. You're responsible for that mortgage completely yourself if you live in the house yourself. But it, let's say mm-hmm. you buy two units. Say you buy a duplex or a triplex, three units. You know, you're living in one of the units. Then you have two other, one or two other units that you can possibly collect rent from, and you can use that rent as income to offset your mortgage payments. So you can reduce the amount you have to pay for yourself every month if you have that revenue coming in from the other units. So what I would do personally is I would buy – you know, maybe between two and four units with the million dollars, I'd find somewhere that I feel comfortable with a, a certain neighborhood or certain area. And I would buy, you know, maybe a duplex, two units. I would live in one and I would rent the other one out. Um, and then, like I said, I can use that income from the other unit to pay off, pay that toward my mortgage. So I'm not going to be responsible for the entire mortgage payment myself. So it's like a good way of getting into real estate. Um, but you're able to use you're able to like, use it as an ATM machine, basically. I always tell my clients, like, you're buying an ATM machine if you're buying multiple units because you're going to be cash flowing those. And that's what a lot of investors are looking for. They're looking for cash flow. So when you buy a single-family house and there's one tenant there, you're collecting rent off that one unit only. You buy multiple units, you have multiple sources of income for that property. So the more units you have at the end of the day, the more money you're going to make in theory. So a lot of these big real estate players, a lot of these huge investors, a lot of these big, big property owners, they start small with a few units. And what they do is over time, they grow their unit count. So they'll start with like two units and then they'll sell that in a couple of years. They'll cash flow for a few years, live in it maybe or whatever. They'll sell that in a couple of years and then they'll transfer that equity to a bigger building. 
let's say sell the two unit for a four unit because the, the values go up over time. And again, you can use the income from the units as, as income to qualify for a mortgage. So let's say you want to buy a home right now and, and the lender says, okay, you're qualified up to 800,000 to buy a single family home. If you're collect, if you buy another property with two units, you might be able to pay a little bit more for the property because you're collecting rent off the other unit and you can use that rent to qualify toward your mortgage for a higher purchase price, if that makes sense. So the more units you have, the more income you have from the property, essentially the higher the purchase price you can pay for it. So then your 800,000 approval can go up higher depending on the rents collected. So if you're buying a single family house, you might only qualify for 800. Let's say you're buying four units, you might qualify for a million dollars because you have you can use that income if that makes sense. The lender's going to look yeah. at that income. So from a business wow. perspective, from a financial perspective, over time it makes sense because not only can you live in it, but you can collect rent from it as well. So it's like having a home and an ATM machine. It's like having a business. So for me personally, <laughs> okay. I think the best play is to is to buy units, you know, and start small and and grow over time. A lot of these big property owners they start small. And after 10, 20 years, you know, they have 100 units or 200 units. And as you can imagine, if you have 200 units, you're probably set for life. So I think that's really wow. the end goal is, is the financial stability, the long-term, um, you know, financial goal there. And, and you can pass this on to your family, too, in a lot of cases. You know, they'll, you'll hold a building for 10 or 20 years and then pass it down to your, your children. And then maybe your children can have that, you know, as part of their portfolio. And then, you know, they can do what they want with it. They can sell it or, you know, live off the rents on that. So it's really like a long-term play with the, with the units. Wow. Okay. So that's, that's the power move right now. Um, mm-hmm. So, okay. So you start small. So you have that. Okay. So now, all right. Zeros and ones, super like practical, like, like as simple as buying a pair of tennis shoes and being shoelaces to buy, like what are the steps I should have before I even like start to uh, consider coming to somebody like you? Like what paperwork should I have? Like, like the one, two, three, four, five before I even like come to you, if I'm ready to go, like if let's just say I have like my 20% uh, down for a piece of property. Like if I'm going to buy a quarter million dollar piece of property or a half a million dollar piece of property, like what paper mm-hmm. should I just have? Paperwork should I have in a folder or in a, a email or a USB drive just ready to go so that I can talk to you so, like, you know, we can speed up the process so I'm not having to, like, look around for things? Sure. So for, for me, in, in my line of, of work for real estate, um, there's really no documentation that I need to see right away. So let's say you're a first-time buyer. You're thinking about buying a home. You're on the fence. You've been mm-hmm. on the fence for a while. And you're like, should I reach out to Ryan? Well, you definitely should reach out to me, but I don't really need to see anything from you per se to like today. Like, I just need to know, Uh like, I'll ask you a couple of questions to see, you know, you're, I'll ask you a couple of simple questions to kind of gauge your big financial picture. Like you have cash in the bank, you know, do you own real estate now? Do you have a job? Is your job part-time, full-time? I probably want to know about your family, know a little bit about your life as a whole, nothing too intrusive or anything. Um, and then okay. based off that, then I will suggest if you, you know, if it makes sense to speak to a lender um, to see, you know, if you might qualify for a loan. 
But that's really where the paperwork that you're talking about comes into play because the lender is going to request certain items from you, certain documents, in order to, you know, paint a financial picture for you and see if it really makes sense for you to buy. So they're going to they're okay, so ask you likely for, like, tax returns, bank statements, okay. uh, proof of employment, pay stubs, stuff like that. Um, there's a couple other things, depending on your situation, that they might ask you for. Uh, but those are really the okay. basics right there. So if you okay. have those in line and in order, um, let's say you have a certain amount of cash in the bank and your credit score is decent. And that's another thing. Some people don't know like what credit score you need to buy. You don't have to have an 850 mm-hmm. credit score to buy a house. Um, oh. There's definitely ways to do it, you know, if you have decent credit. So I wouldn't say like don't reach out if you don't think your credit's great because you just never know until you try. Um, and, and trust me, people are buying properties now and they their credit's not necessarily the best. So. With regard to credit score, I wouldn't worry about that so much unless it's it's really, really low, in which case mm-hmm. um, I would definitely recommend that you talk to the lender. And they're going to, like I said, we're going to paint a bigger financial picture, and then the lender will give you suggestions on what you need to do and what you need to get in order, you know, over the next year or two, let's say, um, in order for you to buy them, you know, if you're not ready today. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, so there's that paperwork. You need that. Oh, so side side note. Um, as we're wrapping up, um, what if you have a corporation? Can you buy property like residential or commercial real estate through a corporation? Is it different? Is it the same as a person, or is it, or is it different because of the business? Like it's a, like literally, it's an LLC or an INC sure. business. Is, is the purchasing different, or is it the same? It's similar. So the the short answer is yes, you can do it, um, and it's okay. it's essentially the same. There's a couple other. Um, documents that, that like the escrow company or depending on the state, some states have escrow, some states have attorneys doing the, the transaction for you. But let's say you're in California and you're in escrow, the escrow company might ask you for, let's say if you're going to buy it under a corporation, they might ask you for articles of corporate, you know, you're in corporation, they're going to ask you for the business documents um, showing that you're, you know, one of the people that can make decisions on behalf of that company. Um, but you can absolutely buy it as a corporation you can buy it as a, uh, an, a, an individual. You can buy it as a couple if you're married. You can buy it. A, you can put it in a trust. You can create a family trust. Um, LLC, if I didn't say that already. So you can definitely uh, own property in different different ways. It's actually called vesting. Um, and and okay. there's different ways of vesting and different um, tax implications, depending on how you want to vest your property. So that really comes down to speaking to a, a tax professional, really, is if you're thinking, you know, if I, w- I want to buy something, but I don't know if I should do it under an LLC or a corporation or individual, that's where you, I would recommend that you talk to your, your, your tax advisor, your financial advisor, because they can tell you the, the tax implications of, of doing each one of those. And that's really what it comes down to. That's really the only difference. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, Ryan, as we're wrapping up, I want you to drop your phone number. Just say it twice for the, so the audience can get it and how they can contact you and even your IG. I know it's on there on our graphic card, but uh, drop your number mm-hmm. so that people can get in touch with you yeah. so they can, you know, hopefully do some business with you. I would love that. Um, my phone number is 323, area code, 304-3374. Again, it's 323 304 Three three seven four. That's my direct cell phone. So if you uh, want to call me directly, leave me a voicemail, text message, whatever. Feel free on that number. Uh, my email is Ryan R Y A N Sells S E L L S L A 
at gmail.com. Ryan sells LA okay. at gmail.com. And my Instagram is Ryan Williams. A. It's my Instagram handle. And I would love for you to reach okay. out to me. I'm, I'm here to help. Um, if you have any questions or any ideas, or if you're on the fence, if you have a family member thinking about buying or selling, that's what I'm here for. I'd love to have a chat with you and it doesn't have to be anything, you know, too long, keep it short and sweet. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm here to help. So if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Um, love to give you a hand. Okay. All right. So Ryan, again, thank you for being on the show. Um, we might have you on later to go more into details. And I think we might have a, a round table discussion about real estate and real estate development. You seem you are very knowledgeable. You were very helpful today. I appreciate you. your time. Um, Absolutely. I'm, so I'm here to help. Yeah. Reach out to Ryan. Um, and that's all we got. So stay safe out there and uh, yeah, be good to each other and we're out. Thanks everyone. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way.